Okay, welcome to the 39th episode of Spurbs Herbs. Today, really interesting, really important, super big, huge herb, Renshen, uh, ginseng radix or ginseng root. I am, as always, your presenter, Dr. Greg Sperber. So let's talk a little bit about today's episode. Today, we are going to be looking at one of the big daddy herbs, an OG, absolutely one of the most commonly used and important herbs around, Renshen or ginseng. This is, a, you know, really this herb cannot be oversold. It was the original herb sold in the United States without ginseng. We probably would not have uh, herbs in the United States. There's a big uh, law case about this. We talked about that in a previous Spurzers of Molly versus uh, Heckler. <coughs> and that really established uh, herbal cells in the United States. So without this, there wouldn't be herbal cells in the United States. Just a super important, super, super important herb. And as always, we will look at something a little different. We'll look at all of the different forms and types of ginseng. And man, they can get expensive. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But before we do, I have a couple questions for you. Have you ever wanted to give herbs to a patient on drugs? Do you have the knowledge and tools to do that effectively and safely? I am finishing up my drug herb webinar series, which gives you real world tools to answer these questions. As the beginning, the first course will give you an in-depth overview of how drugs and by the same token, how herbs work on the body. The second focuses on drug-herb interactions and gives you a unique, powerful, real-world tool for assessing them. This knowledge should be in every practitioner's toolkit. So I'm going to give you these first two courses, six hours of CEUs for 30% off their already regular low price. Just go to www.integrativemedicinecouncil, that's C-O-U-N-C-I-L, dot org slash 32 and get your discount right now. That's integrativemedicinecouncil.org slash 32. But please hurry, this is a limited time offer. So let's get into ginseng. Lots and lots of ginseng, even or a little something different is about ginseng today. So one of the co-authors of the three textbooks I frequently use for this podcast is Eric Brandt. He's a friend of mine. I've gone out to lunch with him, and I know he has a particular interest in high-quality ginseng and various ginseng products. His book with Nigel Wiseman, this is the textbook that I use uh, as part of these Spurbs Herbs, and I used it a lot today, is called The Concise Chinese Materia Medica. has a really nice entry on these various forms of ginseng. And I thought it would make a perfect something a little different for today's episode. So let's talk about different forms of ginseng. This is unlike a lot of herbs where there's a few forms there that ginseng is a whole industry in and of itself. So to quote uh, Brandon Wiseman, ginseng is sold in many different forms in grades. Wild ginseng, or ye shan shen, is regarded as the best, but it is extremely rare and very expensive. We're going to find out how expensive in a little bit. Wild ginseng is an endangered species and is controlled by the law, so you just can't go out and pick it. Ginseng that has been planted in containers and transplanted to the wild is also available. It's very similar in appearance to true wild ginseng and is often sold as authentic wild product, even though it isn't. And you can usually tell by the price, it's not expensive in comparison. Ginseng grown in Korea is stronger than ginseng grown in China, 
and ginseng grown in Japan is the mildest of the three. The Korean product is often referred to as gaoli shen. Japanese ginseng is often referred to as dongyang shen. So they all have the shen, which in Chinese means root. Is it's it, it means uh, plant roots. So they all have that word root in it. The smaller roots or tails or renshen wei are less potent and less expensive, and the smallest of roots, known as whiskers, renshen shu, are the cheapest and least effective of the different forms of ginseng. Ginseng may be steam processed to produce red ginseng, hongshen, or may be sun dried to produce white ginseng, known as bai pi shen, bai renshen, or sheng shei shen. Uh, and also sometimes you'll just hear it as baishen, so white, white root, basically. So this was interesting. You know, we, we talk a lot about red ginseng versus white ginseng in properties. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Uh, but it is interesting. The only difference is the steam processing of it. So that's, that's good to know. Red ginseng is stronger at supplementing qi and is warmer than white ginseng. But white, white ginseng uh, is less... Uh, white ginseng less easily produces heat and is better for boosting liquid. Wild ginseng is rarely authentic and the true product comes with inspection certificates that are accompanied by matching digital photographs of the root. Single roots can cost up to hundreds of thousands of US dollars. That's why I'm saying if you think you have wild ginseng, you probably don't. Uh, if someone sold you a bill of goods, um, you have to have all those things. It's a serious, serious business. So, And that's all from Brandon Wiseman's book. I believe Eric Brand also has a book just on ginseng. I, I, I don't have possession of it. I have possession of most of his books, uh, but I, I'm not sure. But I think he did. So, All right, so continuing on to one of our other textbooks, Bensky et al., his, his team, uh, continue to discuss the different versions of this herb. A variation of white ginseng called unprepared dried ginseng or shengshai shen. So they make a little distinction. Shengshai shen, they said, was white ginseng, another name for white ginseng under Brand and Wiseman. But Bensky's is saying it's a variation which is partially sun-dried and then sulfurized and later completely sun-dried. So there's some sulfur involved in that processing. Neither white ginseng or unprepared dried ginseng is as warm as some of the other prepared forms. It can therefore be used when either warming is unnecessary or when it would actually be harmful, as in cases of qi deficiency accompanied by depleted fluids or yin deficiency. Sugar ginseng, or tongrenshen, is a cooked, partially dried, and sulfurized product that has been soaked for 24 hours in a concentrated solution of sugar and then dried. Forceful ginseng, dali shen, is where the fresh roots are boiled in hot water for a very short time and then sun-dried. Uh, and then we have active ginseng, Fuoxing Renshen, our freeze-dried fresh roots. That's interesting, freeze-drying of it. That's, of course, going to be probably a little bit more modern approach to this. Ginseng neck or Renshen Lu. This is the neck of the ginseng plant, traditionally considered to be a mild emetic. That make, means it forces vomiting, it causes vomiting. Used to induce vomiting if there's an abundance of food stagnation and phlegm together with deficiency, though. This is disputed in modern use. I didn't get into it too much, but both Brandon Wiseman and Chen Chen, the third book that we use, 
textbook that I use in this in prepping for this. Um, both said that there's been recent re uh, medical research that says it does not cause emesis. So um, definitely disputed in modern use. In central and southern China, however, this part of the plant is used as a mild tonic and maybe due to the differences in the type of ginseng used. So there might be some slight um, differences in the species and what have you. Ginseng leaf or ren shen ye is the leaf of the plant and is bitter, slightly sweet, and cold. It clears summer heat, generates fluids, and treats heat or fire from deficiency. It is often used in treating summer heat. So summer heat is a specific condition of Chinese medicine that happens in late summer. It's that, that Indian summertime uh, sort of thing, kind of where we're at right now as I'm recording this in, in late August. Uh, so it's often used in treating summer heat with thirst, injury to the fluids due to febrile diseases, hoarseness associated with lung heat, insufficient stomach yin, and toothache due to fire from deficiency. And it is also used for alcoholic intoxication. Not, not to cause it, but to treat it. <laughs> so uh, interesting uses of that. Finally, as we discussed below, there's one other quote-unquote form of ginseng, American ginseng, or Panacea quincrifolii radix, or Xiangshen. This is actually a different species of the same genus than true ginseng, and while it has similar and important uses, it is not the same as ginseng as we're talking about today. And we're going we're gonna to compare the two as we learn a little bit more about first ginseng, and then we'll get into more in Xiangshen. But it's important because it's called American ginseng. It's often confused, so I thought I'd just throw it out there. And with this introduction into the fascinating world of ginseng, let's continue our exploration into this fascinating herb. So Renshen, Renshen, uh, ginseng. I again, uh, I'll apologize for my my Chinese. Several years, still don't teach, don't speak it very well. The family is Aureliaceae. Uh, Aureliaceae. There we go. Aureliaceae. A R A L I A C E A E. And the specific species is Panax ginseng, C.A. May. So that C.A. May, if you uh, remember some of our previous spur observes, that refers usually to the botanist who first categorized it. Its English translation is man root. Ren means man or human. Uh, so it means man in the general sense. Human is probably a, a more modern translation of this. Root, as I said, Shen means root. So... Human root, and and the reason why it's it's a human root is when you look at it, it looks like a man, looks like a human, um, so they call it human root. Other names include Bang Chui, Di Jing, Li Shan, Ren Xian, which translates as human incarnation, Shen Zhao, Gui Gai, which translates as ghost shield, uh, Yi Shan Shen, Chao Xian Shen, in Japanese is Nin Jin. In Korean is insam. Again, I don't know how to pronounce Japanese or Korean, so I'm just doing my best as I can. All of the textbooks except for Zhao and Chen, Zhao and Chen is, is more about identification and quality of herbs, agree that the medicinal part to be the radix or root. Uh, so radix is the Latin uh, term for root. But Zhao and Chen says it includes both the root and rhizomes. And, and technically, you know, when we're talking about whiskers and those sort of things, we are kind of rootlets. Those are rhizomes. So I think Zhao and Chen might be a little bit more correct than this one, even if it doesn't uh, turn of the others. But the real good stuff is, is going to be the root, radix alone. 
So let's talk a little bit about the uh, Aureliaceae family. So the Aureliaceae is a family of flowering plants with about 43 genera and 1,500 species. So remember, genera is, is that step on the hierarchy above species. So a genera can have many species under it. And then, of course, as you go up, you know, remember we have uh, orders and family. Well, family, as we we're talking about, is the Aureliaceae family. And then we have orders, and it goes up on that hierarchy of, of uh, categorization. They have a varied morphology, but are primarily woody with some herbaceous plants. Uh, in general, Aralaceae species have large, usually alternate leaves, often with aromatic ethereal oils. So they have aromatic uh, oils. You know, um, you know what we, we you know the oil. I'm totally blank. Essential oils is one of those lines. Five-petaled flowers, two to five carpels. So. Um, bats, uh, an interesting carpels, are the female reproductive part of the flower, usually composed of the style and stigma. And then, so it has two to five carpels, simple, simple umbils. An umbil is an inflorescence that consists of a number of short flower stalks called pedicles or pedicels that spread from a common point, somewhat like umbrella ribs. So think of it as like little, little, little like little tiny stems that kind of come out and where the flowers actually sit on, that's an umbel. And berries without carpophores or oil cavities. And I don't know what a carpophore uh, is. I, I think I forgot to, to add in that one. So carpophores, so without carpophores or oil cavities. So they have berries attached to them. They are primarily tropical, though a few are found in temperate climes. And some plants in this family are used as ornamentals. So, uh, but really the, the, big, uh, the, the big medicinal herbs are these, the ginsengs. So this, going back to Renshin, ginseng, the category for this is uh, herbs that tonify the chi subcategory under the category of tonifying herbs, uh, according to Bensky and his team. Chen and Chen similarly say it is, it is in the chi tonifying herbs under the tonic herbs category. And Brandon Wiseman agrees, saying it is a chi supplementing medicinal under supplementing medicinals. So they're all very similar. They have slightly different names according to uh, their, tra their translations of this. I, I assume sim similar wording uh, from, from Chinese. It is considered to be sweet, slightly bitter, and slightly warm, and enters the lung and spleen channels. Brandon Wiseman includes the heart channel. It says it also goes to the heart channel. and says some sources include the kidney channel. So that's an interesting one, and it makes sense as we get into what this does. Uh, but uh, both Chen Chen and Bensky and his team both say lung and spleen channels only. The Defiant Farmers Materia Medica are the Shendang Bensao Jing, which, if you recall, is the first existing book on single herbs. This is listed in it. So this is one of the oldest herbs in the pharmacopoeia. It says it's sweet and a little Cold. So it doesn't say slightly warm, it says a little cold, so a little bit different. But again, that's from 2,000 years ago, almost 2,000 years ago, so we, we tend to use it more for historical purposes rather than um, current uh, clinical purposes. So according to Bensky et al., uh, the dosage is 3 to 9 grams or a half to 1 gram when taken as a powder. Chen Chen and Brandon Wiseman are very similar. They say instead of 3 to 9, they say 5 to 10 grams dosage. 
And they all say something along the lines of in emergencies, dosage can increase to 15 to 30 grams. So it can go up quite a bit in cases of emergency. And this is considered a potential emergency herb for specific emergency conditions, which we'll talk about a little bit. So Bensky and his team in Chen Chen agree the original source for this herb is the Shendong, Shendong Ben Sao Jing, the divine husband's classic of the Materia Medica in the second century CE. So a little less than 2,000 years old. Good quality of this herb, according to Bensky, uh, they say good quality is thick, long, unfragmented, and has a thin, yellowish, white cortex. Red ginseng should be reddish-brown and translucent. In wild varieties, the lateral root should also be very long. So that's a nice one. Zhao and Chen goes into, because that is a book on the identification in, in of, of herbs and highest quality of herbs, says the best quality root should be thick, firm, and complete with a cylindrical cap root and a grayish-yellow surface, a relatively firm, fractured surface, and a distinctly aromatic odor. It definitely has its own odor that when you're around it enough, you can pick out anywhere. So they continue to discuss some technical terms in assessing quality, including the neck, which they, they say is the remnants of rhizomes seen on the apex of the root. There can also be something called stem scars, the numerous round or semicircular concave scars of withered stems on the neck. They are shaped like small bowls. You want to look for iron wire striations. These are dark colored round striations that are present on the outer surface of the taproot. And these are used as a quote unquote diagnostic feature in identifying wild ginseng. So you wouldn't necessarily see these iron wire striations in regular ginseng. It, it, in addition, they talk about pearl dots, also called pearl bumps. These are small protuberances on the fine rootlets of wild ginseng. Golden well with jade fence is another term. The, this is the pattern seen on the cut surface of the root and rhizome. The central core xylem is yellowish white. The outer layer of the phloem is yellowish white. Uh, so one is yellow, I'm sorry, the, the central core xylem is yellowish while the outer layer is yellowish white. So that's the difference, that's the golden well with a jade fence. Hongshen or ren ginseng is hard and brittle and the best quality is thick, hard and complete. They have the yellow vest, an earthy yellow color seen on the surface of the root body and relatively mature ginseng, sometimes produced in the secondary processing. So that's the that's another technical term, the yellow vest. I love these terms. I, I love that book. It's a great book on quality of stuff. So what does it do? What are its Chinese medical actions? And so again, pulling from several books, they say similar things in slightly different ways. Some add a little bit, some take away a little bit. But all told, when we look at all the different books, we start to get a really good idea of what they do. So according to Bensky, uh, Renshen uh, powerfully tonifies the primal chi, strengthens the spleen and tonifies the stomach, tonifies the lungs and augments the chi, generates fluids, and stops something. I'll have to change that. Uh, and benefits the heart chi and calms the spirit. Chen and Chen has similar actions, though some are quite different. It says it greatly tonifies Yuan or source qi, tonifies the spleen, tonifies the lung, promotes generation of body fluids and relieves thirst, 
calms the Shen spirit, uh, which is translated as spirit, improves mental function, tonifies qi and blood, treats impotence, tonifies qi in deficiency patients with exterior conditions. Brian and Wiseman similarly say it greatly supplements original qi, supplements lung qi in the spleen, engenders liquid, quiets the spirit and sharpens the wit, improves uh, in mental facilities, in other words, treats bleeding patterns due to qi failing to contain the blood, treats impotence due to insufficiency of kidney qi, and support the right qi with medicinals that dispel evil. Xiao and Chen, along the exact same line, says it greatly supplements original qi, restores the pulse, secures desertion, supplements the spleen, benefits the lung, engenders body fluids, and quiets the spirit. The Divine Farmer's Materia Medica says it is a superior herb. Superior ranked herbs are things that can be taken every day in order to help uh, one. It's, those are considered good, really good herbs. And it mainly supplements the five viscera. It quiets the essence spirit, settles the ethereal and corporeal souls, checks fright palpitations, eliminates evil chi, brightens the eyes, opens the heart, and sharpens the wits. Protracted taking may make the body light and prolong life. So this is one of the herbs that can be considered a, a life-prolonging herb. In fact, it's one of the main herbs that are considered life-prolonging herbs. So preparations, traditionally, uh, this herb is cooked separately in a double boiler with the resulting liquid added to the strained decoction of other herbs in the formula. Uh, so there are, there are, if you go into any sort of uh, herb store, uh, Chinese herb store, there will have uh, quite a few double boilers for ginseng, to, to cook ginseng. The idea is that this is a very expensive herb and should be uh, not wasted, so they use double boilers. And even with the double boiling, rather than toss away the dregs, often you're told to eat the dregs. And so um, you can do that as well. It can also be taken directly as a powder. Um, so there you go. It's useful. Western uses, this herb being a very important Chinese herb, has a large listing in the PDR for herbal medicines. PDR stands for Physician's Desk Reference. This is a very westernized book. They include many functions for this herb, including anti-inflammatory, adaptogenic. So this herb is considered an adaptogen, which kind of means that it, it does what the body kind of needs it to do. It's a, it's a good uh, overall herb. So adaptogen herbs are usually very popular herbs in, in, uh, in different systems of herbalism. It's an anti-neoplastic, which means it helps cancer, antioxidant, antiplatelet, so it helps blood clotting, increased cognitive function effects, alcohol level lowering, so it helps you know, uh, you know, detoxing from alcohol, hypolipidemic, so it helps uh, lower uh, blood levels of cholesterol and triglycerides, uh, positive cardiac effects, hemolytic, so it, it helps break down blood clots, hepatic effects, so it helps the, the liver, hypoglycemic, so it helps sugar levels in the blood, and fertility effects. So it does a lot of stuff. Commissioning, we've talked a little bit about commissioning pri previously. This was a big commission in Europe, and they actually determined, they looked at a lot of the evidence for a lot of different herbs, 
and determine what was allowed and not allowed in, in Europe. It was a, a big commission. It's been, um, uh, my understanding is it hasn't been around for 20 or 25 years, so it's, it's a little bit older. But commission, it still holds a lot because it was, a, at that point, the, the biggest scientific endeavor, endeavor to understand um, what herbs are positive and not, and which herbs say they do and don't, you know, say what they do, uh, say what are correct in saying what they do. So commissioning is a big thing. And they say that ginseng is helpful as a tonic to treat fatigue and debility, declining performance, capacity for work and concentration, and during convalescence. So they found that it was helpful for a number of things. There is, you know, honestly, there's probably not as much commentary as I would have thought, but there's some good commentary on this herb. So Bensky says, Renshen significantly tonifies the primal chi and the chi of all the organs, especially that of the lungs and spleen. It generates fluids, quiets the spirit, and strengthens the resolve. Though it's tonific through its tonification of chi, it generates blood, encourages blood flow, and controls bleeding. It is both more powerful and faster acting than similar herbs such as Codonopsis radix, or Dongshen, we're going to talk about that in just a minute, Pseudostellaria radix, or Taizishen, and is irreplaceable when disorders are severe or in need of immediate relief, such as patterns of abandonment or profuse hemorrhage, as in the formula unaccompanied ginseng decoction du shen tang. In commentary on the Divine Husbandsman's classic of Materia Medica, Miao Xiyang states that it can revive the yang qi when it has sagged and been severed. It augments the true qi so that the five organs are each tonified. In essays on medicine esteeming the Chinese and respecting the Western, Zhang Xichun observes, the reason for all of these actions is nothing but an ample sufficiency of qi and blood, so that each yin and yang organ and each orifice and each joint obtains its proper nourishment, naturally affecting all of the above. With regard to its ability to tonify the blood, this is explained by Li Gao in discussion of the spleen and stomach. How can sweetness and warmth generate blood when this is not a blood herb? The answer is in Zhang Zhang Jing's. So Zhang Zhang Jing is, uh, wrote uh, several books that we've talked about quite a bit. Um, actually, one big book, but it's been broken down into the Jingwei Liao Feng and the, and the Shanghan Meng. Uh, those are considered two of the, if not the earliest, uh, definitely close to the earliest existing books on herbal formula, so really important books. So um, the question is, uh, if, you know, how does it generate blood if it's not a blood herb? The answer is in Zhang Zhangjing's method of using Ren Shen to tonify the yang. When blood is deficient, when the yang flourishes, it can then generate yin blood. Records of thoughtful differentiation of Materia Medica emphasizes the underlying harmonious nature of this herb. Of all medicinal substances receiving mixed praise and blame, Renchen is the epitome. Those who advocate tonification usually praise it. Those who advocate attack generally criticize it. Those who praise it also champion either its ability to tonify the yang or to tonify the yin without knowing that both extreme positions are false. Records of thoughtful, uh, continuing with this, Shu Da Chun and Zhou Shu each have gained understanding of the nature and use of this substance. Shu states that it incorporates the pure quintessential chi of heaven and earth. 
It tonifies qi without the drawback of overly forceful drying and also enters the yin aspect. It tonifies, oh, uh, Zhou says the qi uh, of the five yin organs is yang by virtue of its transportive and transformative functions, but yin by virtue of conserving without draining. Ren Shen uses both transformation and conservation. Moreover, its color is yellow, its flavor is sweet, it is cooling and moistening in texture, totally con congruous, congruous, congruous with the Middle Earth spleen's virtue of conserving. This is how it enters the postnatal, but increases the congenital. That's a lot of positive stuff. That's some, some pretty heavy lift in there. So Chen Chen also has commentary on this, and they say Ren Shen greatly tonifies the Yuan or source qi, replenishes fluids, and dilates the cervix to facilitate delivery. Wildcrafted Ren Shen has the strongest function and is reserved for the most severe cases of qi deficiency or collapse. Wildcrafted Ren Shen is generally not used because it is extremely expensive. Cultivated Ren Shen is also potent and is the most common form of the herb sold commercially. In most cases, cultivated wrenchen is very effective and, affor and affordable. The root of cultivated wrenchen should be at least three years old before harvesting to obtain therapeutic potency. Comparisons. Let's compare this to some other herbs. There are several important herbs compared with wrenchen. Uh, the first of this is Panacea quinquefolii, Radix, Xiangshen, or that American ginseng that I mentioned earlier. So that's a really you know, do you do American ginseng? Do you do regular ginseng? That's a, a question as a clinician we often uh, uh, wonder, ponder. So American ginseng is sweet, slightly bitter, and cooling in nature. It can tonify and reinforce the chi aspect, chi aspect, but also tonify and augment the blood aspect. Because it is cooling and tonifying, whenever one wants to use renchen but does not want its warming quality, this can be used as a substitute. So it's very similar, but a little bit on the cooling side. So that's good use of this. Another herb uh, in the qi tonifying category, a really important herb, is astragali radix or huang qi. This is astragalus. Uh, and both herbs are important primal qi tonics. So both herbs, being renchen and huang qi, are important primal qi tonics. Renchen is sweet, slightly bitter, and neutral in nature tonifying the primal chi and also nourishing the yin, its tonic effect is stronger and longer lasting than that of huang chi. Huang chi is sweet and warm, and while it tonifies the primal chi, it also supports the yang with a quick ascending quality that in renchen is less pronounced. Huang chi is more most appropriate for those disorders of the chi dynamic which involves sinking of the clear chi which will benefit from its ability to raise the yang. Wang Qi is very uplifting. Wang Qi also stops sweating, promotes the discharge of pus, generates flesh, and facilitates urination, none of which Renchen can do directly. So there you go. So there's lots of reasons to use one over the other. Renchen is stronger. Wang Qi has some very different uh, approaches to, its, to, its, uh, to what it does clinically. Finally, we have another herb that's very commonly used as a substitution for renchen, and this is Codonopsis radix or dongshen. So again, it has that shen, it's root, and radix root, so that makes sense, but it's Codonopsis, a totally different uh, herb. 
So even as late as the Grammateria Medica in the 16th century, Dongshan was thought to be a variety of Renshan. There it is described as coming from Shangdong in present Shanxi uh, province, long and yellow, shaped like Sapashnikovia radix or Fong Fung. Uh, it was not correctly identified until the publication in 1751 of the thoroughly revised Materia Medica, which gave Dongshan a separate listing. Dongshan tonifies the qi and indirectly augments the blood and fluids, but it does not have the great power of Renshan to tonify the primal qi and directly generate fluids. Its effects are also limited to the spleen and lungs, while Renshan is much more broad in its effects. Although Dongshan is less powerful than Renshan, it is quite sufficient for everyday clinical use when a deficiency pattern is not severe. It is therefore commonly used as an inexpensive substitute for that herb in many prescriptions. Renshan must be used, however, when the disorder is severe and requires immediate relief, as in patterns of abandonment or profuse bleeding, as in unaccompanied ginseng decoction or Duchenne tonic. So Dongshan um, just clinically is often used as a, as a substitute for Renshan, often at about two to three times the amount of Renshan, which, um, so you're using a lot more of it, but um, that's what gives it similar effects to Renshan. However, I gotta say, the last few years, Dongshan is, is um, not quite as expensive as Renshan still, but it's gone up quite a bit. And when you're using two to three times, it's more expensive than, than Renshan often is. So you have to look at cost with this sometimes as well. Renshan is considered relatively superior. And the reason why Dongshan was in there was because it was cheaper and easier to use. Um, but that's, to me, the math is starting to change a little bit on that, so. Combinations of this herb are, there's of course gonna be quite a few of them because it's a very common herb. Bensky and his team discusses five combinations but one of them is with Mahuang ephedra herba, which is banned in most countries and therefore won't be discussed here. Uh, we will discuss three of them here, including Gecko or Gejie, Romania radix preparata or Shudi Huang, and Astragali radix Huang Chi. So we just talked about it, uh, uh, Huang Chi as a comparison, but now we're gonna talk about it as a combination, so they're used together. So with Gecko, Gejie, this is Gecko. These are the lizards. This is the, uh, it's a progressive insurance uh, mascot. Uh, so both substances are strongly tonifying in patterns of lung deficiency. Renchen affecting the lung qi and gajie, strongly warming the kidneys and enhancing their ability to grasp the qi. Because gajie is an animal substance, it can have a deeper effect on the structural aspects of the body, including the kidney essence. The Grand Materia Medica notes that its ability to tonify the lung qi and to settle wheezing is the same as that of Renchen. In this combination, Renshin tonifies the qi, while Gajia restores the kidney's ability to grasp the qi. In this way, metal and water are mutually supportive, and the proper interaction between the lungs and the kidneys is restored. So this metal and water, of course, lungs are considered part of the metal element, and kidneys are part of the water element, so that's why they mention that. So again, this is an animal substance. We, we do need to be a little bit on the cautious side with, with animal products, with our patients, make sure they're not vegetarian, and if they are, you know, would they accept that or not? Um, so there's a little bit of that. Uh, it does tend to be quite expensive uh, uh, to get. Uh, and so uh, very interesting herb, but a, a very powerful herb as well. All right, let's talk about Romania radix preparata. Shudi Wang, we just had a 
a podcast on this herb. In fact, this whole section is straight from that podcast. It's basically a repeat. So we'll get into it. And it's important to, to kind of get it in both places. So uh, Ren Shen combined with Shu Di Huang or Romani Aurelic Preparata. This combines one of the strongest qi tonifying herbs with one of the strongest blood and yin tonifying herbs, taking advantage of the fact that when qi is sufficient, blood can be generated, and when blood is sufficient, there is a basis for the transformation of qi. Renshen is yang and mobile in nature, augmenting the qi, while shu di huang is yin and quiescent in nature, augmenting the blood. Thus, this combination is often used in the treatment of qi and blood, or qi and yin deficiency patterns. In rectification of the meaning of Materia Medica, Zhang Jiebin explains, qi and blood are the basis of human life. Qi is primarily yang and mobile. Blood is primarily yin and still. To tonify the qi, Renchen is primary, with astragalus radix huang qi and atraculus macrocephaly rhizoma baiju acting as assistants. To tonify the blood, Shu Di Wang is primary, with Angelicus sinensis radix or Dongwei and Chuangxiang rhizoma, Chuangxiang, acting as assistants. Yet, there are situations in which Huangqi, Baiju, Chuangxiang, and Dongwei should be avoided, but Renchen and Shu Di Wang are compulsory for qi and blood deficiency treatment. Thus, whenever there is Yang qi deficiency in any of the channels, one cannot do without Renchen. Whenever there is yin blood deficiency in any of the channels, Shu Di Wang must be used. There you go. Lots of important uses there. So let's talk about Huang Qi Stragoliuretix. Uh, Again, we already mentioned this as comparison, a really important herb that raises Qi. It does tonify the original Qi, not as strongly as Renchen, but it raises Qi, and that's an important use of this. So. When these two strong qi tonics are combined, each complements the other. Huang qi contributing its quick ascending quality, which particularly strengthens the exterior, while Renshen prolongs the action, supporting the deeper areas of the body and also, also nourishing and protecting the yin. There's thus a broad range of actions for this combination. If the lung protective qi is deficient, it tonifies the qi to secure the protective. If the spleen and stomach qi is weak, it can stimulate and raise the middle burner qi. If the heart qi is deficient, it tonifies the heart and unblocks the vessels. In fact, this combination can be used for any pattern of qi deficiency, and while it often achieves good results on its own, it provides the foundation for a long list of formulas. The same things can be said about the combination of Huang qi and Dong Shen. So that's the codenopsis that we just checked out. So um, again, Dongshan being a, a common substitute for Renshin. So this combination works with the substitute or with the original as well. So very good combination, especially when you need to strongly tonify the qi. So let's talk about the contents of Renshin. So Renshin has many saponins as its, con uh, as its constituents. So saponins or saponin, saponin glycosides, SPGs, are widely distributed in nature. The word saponin comes from soap, and so we're going to see that it, it kind of acts like a soap naturally. Endogenously, they are amphiphilic. That's, uh, that's what that means, is soaps are amphiph amphiphilic. And what that means is that they have a fat-soluble 
and and a water soluble ion so it can be both in water and in fat and that's why soaps work well is that they can take off fat soluble stuff from our skin as well as and then packages so it can be washed down the drain it's one thing to to bond with the fat soluble stuff but um, if it's just fat soluble it'll just stay there with the fat soluble stuff it won't wash off with water but soap allows it to be washed off with water because it it puts the fat soluble stuff in it's it's called a micelle um, it's sort of a, a, a bubble and on the inside is all the fat soluble stuff on the outside is the water soluble stuff that's what saponins do on a uh, normally that's what they they do and and the reason why they can do this is because they're amphiphilic uh, and that's what they that's necessary in all soaps and they act as a surfactant uh, which uh, I'm not going to get into but to form stable soap like foams in aqueous solutions so exactly what we're we're talking about they can have a steroidal or uh, triterpenoid chemistry so if you're not a chemist that's probably not going to be useful uh, they tend to be part of a plant's defense system and they can be antimicrobial insecticidal and antiparasitic so that's why um, saponins are kind of useful from an herbal point of view because they have these sort of natural antimicrobial uh, insecticidal, which means it kills insects, and antiparasitic, so it kills parasites, um, because it has those natural abilities uh, to do that. So that's helpful from an herbal point of view because they can have those same effects in humans. Saponins may also have hemolytic properties, so they break down blood clots as well as add sweetness or bitterness. So, uh, and there's lots of herbs that, that have saponins in it. Wrenchin has many unique constituents that are saponins, including a large number of gensinicides. Um, I'm gonna, there's a whole bunch, just to give you an example, there, I've got like 15 of them listed here. There are O, RA1, RA2, RA3, RB1, RB2, RB3, RC, RD, RE, RF, RG1, RG3, RH2, RS1, RS2. There's just a ton of these gensinicides. Uh, and of course, like I've said before, gen when you see the word, the Latinized word of the herbs in these constituents, it usually means that's where they were first discovered and probably one of the few herbs that it actually is in. So it has gensinicides, has acetyl gensinicides, so that is very similar, but it has an acetyl group to it. Um, it has, uh, let's see, malonyl gisinicides. Again, there's a bunch of these. I'm not even listing them. So acetylgenicides, RB1, RB2, RC. Malonyl gisinicides, RB1, RB2, RC, RD, RF4, RH3. We have 20R gisinicide, uh, RH2. 20S gisinicide, RH2. Noto gisinicide, so R4. So that's an interesting one because noto ginseng is a different herb. So this is similar um uh but uh so here's a constituent that's probably in both herbs and many many more saponins are in wrenching this is just a brief overview of the saponins here it also contains volatile oils such as panixinol uh panaxidol uh panaxitriol so again that's all the the genera so remember this is panax ginseng so that again indicates that it's probably part of that that genera and uh, gensinonines, A, B, C, D, and E, uh, flavonoids, sugars, organic acids. There's either, um, uh, there's a ginseng sugar. Uh, it's like uh, ginsenicide or ginsenglyside or something like that. Organic acids, vitamins, and beta-cytosterol. We've talked about beta-cytosterol previously as a useful 
um, constituent in herbs that often gives herb herbal properties, you know, some of the, the properties that we look for in herbs. So it, it has beta-cytosterol as well. So the science on this is a big ask. <laughs> There's a lot of science on it. I really just kind of kept it to what was in Chen Chen, which is a little bit older because it was written in 2004, and it's also very much based on Chinese stuff. But I knew as soon as I got into the modern stuff, I that, that's an hour right there. So I'm, I'm just trying to give an overview of what the science says about ginseng. So ginseng has many pharmacological effects, including central nervous system, cognitive, endocrine, immunostimulant, cardiotonic, so it helps the heart, hypoglycemic, so it lowers blood sugar, antidyslipidemic, so it lowers fats in the blood, hepatoprotective, so it helps the, the liver, and reproductive effects. They include a number of studies showing positive results treating shock and blood loss, leukopenia in cancer patients. So leukopenia means uh, uh, fewer white cells, you know, low white cell counts, uh, sexual dysfunction, diabetes mellitus, Addison's disease, hypertension and atherosclerosis, hypercholesterolemia in elderly patients, coronary artery disease, and acute hepatitis. So that's inf inflammation, infection of the, of the liver. So um, showed a, a help in all of those sort of things. Uh, you know, take it with a bit of a grain of salt. These tend to be smaller studies. Uh, they tend to, um, they're older. Uh, they, they tend to be Chinese. Um, so they may not be up to modern standards, um, but at least it gives us an in indication of what they can be useful for in modern science. Drug-herb interactions. There are some concerns on drug-herb interactions. Renshin appears to inhibit cytochrome P450, 2C9, 2C19, and 3A4, at least from in vitro studies. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I often talk about cytochrome P450. I don't get into a lot of that. That's in my drug-herb interaction uh, webinars that I do, and, and there was, as you know, there was a, a coupon for, for that uh, at the beginning of this podcast. But um, that is one of the main uh, three or four things we look at for drug-herb interactions, especially any effects on cytochrome P453A4, which this does appear to do, at least in vitro. So we don't know if it does it in humans. I did find a couple human studies uh, when I was looking over this stuff uh, for this podcast I, they didn't seem really strong, and so I didn't include them here. So, uh, But they're starting to do human studies, which I, I really like. I just want them to be useful <laughs> with their results. I, and then in separate single case studies, so now we're talking about in humans. So that's important, but only one human, <laughs> one case in each of these. Um, Renshin increased the serum concentration of digoxin, which is a really heavy-duty drug, and I would not recommend any herbs with it. Uh, decreased INR, which is a measurement of blood clotting in a patient stabilized on warfarin. So again, um, I wouldn't be adding herbs into warfarin, so I uh, probably wouldn't do that. And it showed raised plasma levels, raised plasma levels of reltegravir, which is an antiviral. So that might actually be uh, useful, but again, one person. So keep it in mind, yeah, showed it in humans, uh, but often with these single case studies, you know, they're on a lot of drugs and they just blame it on the herb, you know, and, and they do good things like, well, on the herb, they have this issue and then they took them off the herb and they didn't have the issue anymore. Great, but, you know, the herb could have just been the last thing that threw it over the edge. Did you take out any of the other <laughs> drugs or anything to see if that would have resolved the issue, so...
And finally, Gardner and McGuffin, which uh, they wrote or edited the uh, American Herbal Products Association uh, Herbal Safety Handbook. So it's a great book on overall safety of herbs, really well done. And they say this herb is in safety class one and interaction class A, both being the safest category. So there's not concerns about the herb in general, and there's not a whole bunch of concerns about interactions with other drugs and herbs. And in other words, this herb is based on the literature, based on the literature is quite safe and with minimally known potential interactions. So I'm not super concerned about interactions here, but it, as always, you should at least be aware of them as you go through it. So let's, if I don't have a ton of concerns about drug-herb interactions, let's talk about some of the concerns we do have for this herb. So Bensky and his team say Renshen cannot be taken in any of the following situations. If there's heat from excess in the skin and stomach, if lungs have pathogenic fire causing wheezing, cough, and overabundant phlegm, in the early stages of bleeding disorders, for stifling, sen stifling sensations and pain in the chest and diaphragmatic area, for hiccup, constipation, or with parasitic accumulation. And these all came from a book called Transforming the Significance of Medicinal Substances, a Chinese book. Tra traditionally, it's not to be combined with Veriatri, nigrine, Radix at rhizoma, or Lilu, or Glycidia. This herb has a low, a very low toxicity as ingestion of 100 milliliters, this is again quoting from Bensky, as ingestion of 100 milliliters of the 3% ethanol extract causes only mild irritability and excitation. However, 200 milliliters of the same preparation as well as ingestion of high doses of the powdered herb can cause toxic effects. One case has been reported of lethal poisoning in a 33-year-old man after ingestion of two portions of a decoction, each containing 40 grams of red ginseng. Three newborn babies developed serious toxic effects after ingestion of a decoction of 0.3 to 0.9 grams of this herb. One of the babies died. The main symptoms of acute toxicity are development of maculopapular rashes. So these are raised and discolored colored rashes, such as pityriasis rosea, puritis, itching, headache, vertigo, fever, and bleeding. Continued use for as little as one month or as long as two years can lead to a variety of problems in approximately 10% of the population. The main symptoms are hypertension, irritation of the throat, euphoria, insomnia, irritability, hyperthermia or feeling really warm, skin eruptions, morning diarrhea, edema, diminished sexual function, weight loss, and in rare cases, depression. Chen and Chen have similar concerns. They say sweet and warm in nature. Ren Shen is contraindicated in cases of excess conditions, such as bleeding caused by heat in the blood, red eyes, and dizziness due to liver yang rising, wheezing and cough because of lung heat, or phlegm accumulation, constipation, parasites, internal accumulation, heat, or fire conditions. According to classic texts, Renchen is incompatible with Lilu, except Rhizoma viratri, which we just mentioned, antagonized by Zhao Jiao, Fructus gladiciae, which again we just mentioned, and counteracted by Wu Lingzhi or Excrementum trojopteri, Suteromi. If you're not familiar with that, that is flying squirrel excrement. And Lifuza semen rafani sativae, that is radish seeds. The effectiveness of Renshin may be reduced 
by concurrent consumption of turnips, daikon radishes, and tea. Shenzhen also lists a lot of signs and symptoms of mild to severe overdosage of renshin, as well as for allergic reactions. They also give several options for treating overdosages in general and specific signs and symptoms of overdoses. Uh, an herbal decoction of 120 grams of glycerisurate radix or gansau, this is licorice, and one of our most common herbs, treats a general overdose. I would be concerned with that much licorice in uh, if someone had hypertension because it can cause hypertension, but if not, that could be, that's a sort of a traditional uh, antidote, antidote to overdosage of Renshin. Brandon Wiseman, Brandon Wiseman agrees with the concerns of the other saying it is not suitable for repletion patterns and patterns of depressed, depressed fire. So those are our main concerns about this herb. And that kind of concludes what we're talking about here. Let's go over what we started our podcast today with a discussion of all the different versions of this herb. Renshin is not only a very important herb for building qi, it is one of the most important herbs in the entire Chinese pharmacopoeia. Very useful, but also like many tonic herbs, it can be difficult to digest, must be used appropriately or in helpful combinations to maximize its effectiveness. So super, super important herb. Like I said, an OG herb, one of our most important or herbs that we have. And so I uh, can't say enough about this herb. I, it, it, you, it would be almost impossible to do Chinese herbology without this herb. So uh, it's just that important. And there's, while we did find some substitutions, those are becoming more expensive too. So that was our episode. In our next episode, we will be looking at a herb of the world, aloe vera, aloe a frequently used herb in many traditions and for many conditions. This is going to be an in-depth look at an herb you can easily grow yourself. This looks like it's going to be a fascinating look at an important herb, as well as exploring something a little different as usual. So please join us in two weeks for this next episode of Spurps Herbs. With that, I would like to thank you guys very much for listening, for participating. If you like this podcast, you could do us a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. That would, that would be awesome. That would just really send us over the moon. And we appreciate it. And thank you ahead of time. Don't forget, you can also get this and 30% off our Drug Herb Series CUs uh, and National Certification Commission of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine PDAs, uh, Professional Development Activities, at www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org. That's integrative medicine council c-o-u-n-c-i-l.org and if you want that 30 percent off of the drug herb series put a slash 32 at the end of that and that'll get you that 30 percent off and of course you can always get in touch with me at dr greg at spurbsherbs.com or our website www.spurbsherbs.com so that's s-p-e-r-b-s-h-e-r-b-s.com and that is our podcast for the day. Appreciate you guys again for hanging in there. And as usual, I have my extensive bibliography. Thank you very much. Spurs Spurs. The proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support and everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle. Janelle. Timothy Dobbins. Roger Campbell.